The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Joseph Sunday, hey, Father. How are we doing? And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Dom. Well, folks, before we get started, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy, Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. If you're a fan of, of technology, you'll love Mysterious World. Uh, I think the Venn diagram of uh, technology geeks and Mysterious World listeners is like a circle. I mean, you're going to love it. So definitely check that out. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash mysterious. So today we're talking about our main topic. We're going to be talking about our favorite apps for communications, communicating. And communications takes a lot of different forms with technology. We could have email. Uh, you could have messaging services. You could do video calling, VoIP, and others. And so we're going to kind of jump through a lot of those. We'll talk about a bunch of the different apps that are available, the popular ones, and then the ones that we use and prefer. So we can uh, talk about that. So um, for, before we start talking about particular apps, I want to kind of talk about in general, what do we look for when we talk about a communication or messaging app? Um, what is What are your priorities? Like when you're looking at a new app for communication, what is it that is most important to you when you're looking at this, Victor? Yeah, I mean... I prefer to communicate as little as possible. Um, <laughs> using a communication app for me is always like a last resort. So anything that's that's fast lets me get done what I need to do with the fewest amount of interactions with either the app or the person I'm communicating with um, gets my vote. So, you know, not a lot of bloat, fast, um, efficient, uh, you know, features are nice. Um but uh, really, just uh, speed and and ease of use are are kind of my main criteria. Okay, how about you, Father? I'd go with uh, those things too. Conven convenience um, that I'm able to quickly um, use it, um, and um, with the amount of driving that I do, that I'm able to do the communications hands free um, mm -hmm. is an added plus. Um, but also privacy is huge. Um, the communications that I'm having with friends or parishioners or things that, um, were met as a private communication isn't being used to sell ads to me or to, um, do whatever else you're going to do with the data. Mm, that's a good point. For me, one of the key things is like some of these are asynchronous. That is, they use a protocol and whatever app you're using doesn't really matter. Like email, email is email yeah. and you can use whatever app. Some of these are proprietary services. And so you both have to be using the same software. And for some of them, it really, some of it depends on what are the other people I want to communicate with or what are they willing to use? What are they going to try? What can, are they savvy enough with tech to figure it out? So that's a consideration 
Um, certainly security is huge for me. I, I, I want uh, secure, you know, especially uh, certain things I want, like end-to-end encryption. And that's one of the considerations is like which one we use for the for our daily communications. You know, email is for me, email is on one hand great because it doesn't it, there is not an expectation for me to answer it right away. You know what I mean? If someone texts you, there's this expectation sometimes, depending on the per, the person, I suppose, of you always have, you know, we always have our phones on us, so we, we should respond right away. Why haven't you responded? It's been 15 minutes, <laughs> you know? Uh, and and, and the, so the, there's like this, the different ones have different, like, expectations and demands. Like a phone call has the highest level of demand, right? You make a phone call, you expect someone to pick up. And, that, and that's a huge burden, in a sense. Whereas an email is the kind of the lowest level because actually there might be even ones lower than that we might get into today as well with like a bulletin board sort of thing but you know there's just the, the the from the most demands to the least demands on you and so that's a consideration when i'm choosing what to use in a particular situation i i think the lines you put there have grayed a little bit um of the um expect a response or immediacy of response from a phone call versus a text message. I actually think that people are more understandable um, when I don't answer a phone call versus when I don't answer a text message. Um, That might be a generational thing, but yeah, no, that's true. There's a, there's a, uh, a large segment of the population now that just doesn't want you to call them. Don't, don't call. I don't. I don't want to talk to you in real time. Uh, uh, text me, uh, and, and but don't call. And it's it's a whole. That is a generational thing, definitely. Yeah, if you call someone and they don't answer, you can rationalize it and say, well, maybe they're you know driving or they're in the shower. But you know, if they don't respond when you're texting, you know, those aren't valid excuses, I guess, anymore. So <laughs> right. Well, when we're tied to our phone, doing everything, and you're yeah. using your phone while you're eating and all of that, then yes. When I'm not texting you back, I must be doing something or, pretty important or you're not important enough. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the thing. Perception is a big is a big uh, aspect of that. So let's get into talking about the the different communications media that we're talking about. So email is not the oldest one we're going to talk about because phones, of course, are even older. But let's talk about email for tech. And there's two levels to email. There's the service. And then the software we use to access the service. And so let's start with the services we use. And so, you know, one service that a lot, a lot, a lot of people use is, of course, Gmail. It's it's generally free, although it's not as good a deal as it used to be. And, you know, a lot of times now, um, as, as our email archives build up, we're looking at maybe having to pay for a, a, a G1 account or a Gmail account. Um, but Gmail is basic table stakes. It's got, you know, a, a fairly decent spam filter. Um, the privacy, not the greatest because it's Google, right? They're, yep. we, you know, you know, they're looking at your mail. Um, but in general, um, it's a decent service. Uh, any. Any thoughts on Gmail or, you know, pro and con? Um, I use I use Gmail just on an educational levels for working in schools. 
um, which ties down the privacy worries a little bit because when it is a school apps account, um, by merit of government regulations, there's certain things they can't do, mm. um, knowing that those accounts are um, all attached to minors and to youth. And so there's things they can't do. That's good. Um, like all my communications, right? Presumably for Google, they would think all my communication for a school is going to be relating to youth and minors. And so that's the government regulations on that, that there are certain things they can't do. That's a good So um, I was a probably about 12, 13 year user of Gmail and about four years back, completely deleted my personal Gmail account because of just worrisome things that I was seeing of advertising I was getting versus emails I sent. And I just, right. It, it doesn't sit easy with me. People okay. reading my mail. <laughs> now, um, Victor, did you have any thoughts on Gmail as a service? I have a Gmail account because I have an Android phone and, you know, you need a Google account. And um, although I think actually my Google account's in a different email, I don't know how it works, but I mean, I, I have it. I don't use it like as an email client or service. I think the only thing that I would use it for, I, well, I do have one set up just as like basically a dummy account for if this, then that, that I use mm -hmm. to, you know, do notifications and stuff with. But um as an email client, no, I don't use it. Now, I believe you can have a Google account now that when you sign up for it, you can sign up for it and not activate email. Yeah, that's probably true. So if you if you don't want Gmail and you want to spend a little money, um, and and that's probably like if if you if you go with all the any of the free services like Yahoo Mail and all those others, they're all going to be pretty similar issues as with with gmail you know the the privacy factors and that sort of thing um you do get you can get an iCloud account if you have an uh, similarly with it if you have an android phone if you have a, any kind of iCloud account with a uh, iphone ipad mac that comes with a, an uh, email address and it's pretty uh it has some pretty good features it has the uh uh you, um, what do they call them? Email addresses, like throwaway email addresses, so that um, you set burner, it up. Sir. Yeah, burner email addresses. So, like when I'm signing up for a, a website, I can give them, you know, this burner email. And if I don't want to ever hear from them again, I just tell Apple to kill it and it and it's gone and yeah. they can never reach me. Um, another free service because the Apple one costs something, right? There's um, Mozilla has a relay. Um, and that's a free service yeah. for burner addresses. So Apple doesn't cost, doesn't have to cost anything. You can get a free five gigabyte iCloud account, et cetera. So it doesn't have to cost. But the burner email addresses, I think, are part of the, are only part of that 99 cent a month. Right, right, right. Thing. Yep. Um, but other services out there, like might be Fastmail is is one that's I've heard people talking a, little, a lot of good things about. It's key feature that they advertise is the privacy. They don't harvest your data. They don't do data mining on your uh, email. Uh, they also have an app 
or your phone that combines calendar contacts and mail. Um, they have some other uh, special specialty spam filtering that allows you to do some more advanced things if you want there. Um, another, and you can also, of course, bring your own domain name with that. You can do that with Google too. You can have your own domain uh, with, with the Google stuff. And then with um, uh, another one that is available is also Proton Mail. And uh, uh, oh, I should mention that the, um, for Fastmail, their basic service is three bucks a month per user, uh, all the way up to nine bucks a month for the pro options uh, that they offer. Um, is there a free option with them? Uh, no. no, no, they they okay. start at three bucks. Okay, uh, but yes, uh, then there's Proton Mail. Father, you you mentioned Proton Mail. That was your suggestion. Yes, I I use Proton Mail for my um, personal email address. Um, so purchases i make things like that i started using proton mail um i just use the free account so the one gigabyte total storage um this is an email account that i don't keep a lot of things outside of receipts and stuff um and so one gigabyte is fine to be honest one gigabyte for email if you're not keeping everything is a lot of email um then um with the free one, also with Proton Mail, I um, the fact, as I said already, that I work in parishes and schools, um, VPNs I don't use, um, but you do get one free VPN account with the um, so they have Proton VPN that's connected to that. Um, but when you get into the higher plans, I think they end up giving you unlimited VPN and things like that with it. Mm -hmm. um, so there's some coupled. Um, yeah, so if you do the seven ninety nine a month, you have that unlimited VPN. Yeah, the um, yeah, it looks like with the limit with the free one is also a limit of one hundred and fifty messages per day. So you yeah. don't want to have a high uh, quantity count. But you know their basic plan is four bucks a month, so or four euros, whatever that works out to in dollars. Uh, and the, and you also get like a Proton Drive, which is sort of like a Dropbox and. Uh, private calendar and that sort of thing. So um, it, and they are huge on privacy. I think they're based in Switzerland. I think they, yes, they're Switzerland. Um, that's kind of their whole selling point is that um, you should believe that Switzerland means privacy. So they kind of sell on that. Um, right. Swiss privacy laws are famous, basically. Um, even a American subpoena doesn't work over there or something along those lines, but, but, and then the, and then the thing that was attractive to me is um, they have outside firms that um, investigate and look through their things. And specifically, um, the reports I saw that were showing that um, of no selling of data to advertisers, yeah. um, which is huge. Um, the fact that I would. Yeah. The fact that I would get advertisements on my web browser based on something that I just sent an email about with Gmail, um, and I don't see that happen with Proton Mail. Victor, did you have a suggestion in the email service space? Yeah, and it's it's not really one I would recommend, but way back in the last century, I set up a website and an email address, and uh, and you know through a web hosting company, and so I'm still using that email address uh, and that web hosting company in, in some way, shape or form. And, and, you know, with, with the various, you know, domains I have, I can set up as many email addresses as I, as I want with, with my own domains. And um, then whatever client I use, I just point it towards the web host server 
and uh, and and use it that way. I've just been too lazy to, um, you know, figure out how to keep the same email address on a different email service or or move to a different email. And and honestly, at this point, it's because um, if I bought a piece of software, you know, six or seven years ago and want to look up what the serial number is, I know I can find it um, in that email address or, you know, in that email account and stuff. So I don't know, I'll probably, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances have the same email address when I die, you know, God willing and right. many decades from now. But uh, So is that one that's like attached to a website that you host? It it was the website is is now uh, long gone and really I only thing I'm really using the hosting for at this point is domain forwarding and and the uh, email address. Yeah, I have one of those with my own website that um kind of works as a spam filter for myself that yeah. all my website email that is my publicized um, email address is just going to the account that I created for that website. Yeah. Yeah. In general, you know, hosting your own email server is probably these days, probably not a great idea only because having to deal with spam and all that sort of stuff um, can overwhelm. But yeah, if you, you mentioned the hosting, if you have, if you have web hosting for a site, often these, the, the companies that sell the hosting or domain name registrars get, will offer basic email uh, accounts as well. Yeah, and yes. they do spam filtering and stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't really think they're reading my email. They really don't have a have any need to or any reason to. You know, it could be happening. But as with all this stuff, I mean, assume that everything you've ever put in electronic communication will be read someday by someone. Um, you know, sure. it's just it's just a it's just a fair assumption. Never write when you can nod, is the old yeah. the old saying. Yep. So uh, moving on from email services to email software. Um, so there's the basic software that comes built on your computer or in, or in your phone um, on the on uh, Apple devices. That's Apple Mail on Windows. The basic one is Windows Mail. Um, there are and then there are others out there as well. Um, I'll just come out and say I I've tried other mail uh, email software on the Mac and on iOS and I've come back to Apple Mail, the built-in one, um, just because it works. It integrates with other services that Apple use, you know, offers and uses, and it doesn't cost anything. I used to use AirMail, which is an uh, uh, iOS and Mac software. That its big selling feature was that it integrated with other software like Evernote and and uh, Tweetbot, you know, Twitter clients, and and various other things. It, it was built in integration, which was nice. The problem is, is they went on a subscription level and they charged 10 bucks a month, which wow. for an email program, when Apple's mail is so sufficient on its own, that just was excessive to me. And I just, I couldn't justify the hundred something dollars a year for that. I think it was less than a, if you bought a whole year's worth, it was still pretty expensive. So there's that. And then the other one that I've tried is one called spark mail, which is actually available everywhere. It's on all the mm -hmm. platforms and um, it has some interesting power features. It has a uh, smart inbox. They call it where it sorts your mail based on a perceived priority, probably, you know, the ones you open first and that sort of thing. Um, it has a gatekeeper function where the first time someone emails you, you can say, let them through or don't let them through. Um, if you don't let them through, then it will forever will 
you know, junk them or shuffle them off to a folder somewhere for you to review in the future. Um, There's a whole bunch of interesting features like that. You can group by sender, you can have threads. And so it, I mean, it's a nice package, but uh, again, it it is, it does cost extra. It is, um, this one's $5 a month or 60 bucks a year. Um, And, you know, eh, you know, it's, I don't, I just don't want to spend money for my email software when, when mail is good enough. Back to privacy on that. I have not looked at their privacy policy on things, but I'm always a little bit um, with with much features comes um, much risk. Right. Mm -hmm. If I have a feature that's doing the perceived um, priority of my mail, then it's guaranteed that that um, the AI and that software or whatever is reading my email. It has (laughs) to be right. Yeah. And so what are they doing with that data? Are they immediately deleting that data after it's making that decision? Are they isolating that data to just my account? I don't know the answers to that, but that's um, one of the risk versus benefit things that you would have to weigh. Right. Yeah. And they do have privacy policies on the site to, to, to go over all that, too. So, yeah. At one And so, yeah, with that in mind, like one the email client I use the most on Android because I have used spark mail in the past, but the one I use now is um, Edison mail or, you know, just email by Edison and they are providing a lot of features, which um, a lot of them I really do enjoy. Um, You can, there's a subscriptions tab. You can click on it and then it'll show you all the things you're subscribed to, but maybe haven't opened in a while and you can just go through and hit unsubscribe on them. Um, if there are things that you get, like I get a lot of, you know, emails from companies, you know, buy this, do this thing, they can kind of um, batch those. And at six o'clock, you can see a, 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 you know, PM or whenever you can see a summary of those and decide, hey, I don't want to hear from those guys anymore. But it lets the other email through. Um, if you've purchased anything, there's like a purchases tab where they have, you know, the shipments when they're arriving and like the tracking information right there just listed out. And so they, they are doing some, you know, AI ML on my email. Their ad policy is, you know, no ad targeting. Um, we, you know, don't store your emails on our servers. Uh, you know, it's, it's all sort of, on, you know, my web host servers. Um, I don't really mind if, you know, a computer is reading my email, if, you know, it, it provides another layer of benefit to me. Um, like I said, though, I don't use email for any sort of, you know, privileged or confidential communications most of the time. So I just did a quick scan through the Spark mail um, privacy policy, and they say that they do commit to not selling any data. So Mm -hmm. there is the clearness of that in there. um, And that um, the only thing in there is, and this is pretty obvious, any company, including ProtonMail, is required to do this, which is the um gdpr regulations if the government is asking for something based on a subpoena they have to give it up right uh edison mail looks like it has a pretty clear and upfront policy privacy policy as well does that cost anything victor there is a like premium version i honestly don't know what it adds that i don't get for free i I can't recall because i've been using it now for maybe three or four years i if there was an upfront like you know app store charge to it but it doesn't charge me anything yeah and if it was it was like five bucks or something it's free uh, on the mac app store so yeah so it's, it may have been free and i 
was looking around for, you know, Spark Mail was kind of, you know, it wasn't really doing it for me. So um, I found this and you know, I've been using it for a while. And it, like I said, it's it's easy. It's not annoying. Um, and for what I use email for, yeah, it's it, you know, it, it meets my needs. It helps me cut through a lot of the cruft and unsubscribe from things. And it seems pretty reliable in my experience. The only thing it, I, I think about is um, when it doesn't cost anything, who's paying for it? That's my, that's all. That's always my yeah. big concern. Mm-hmm. So it's, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Right. Yeah. And like I said, I don't have a big problem for it. Yeah. I'm getting I'm getting benefit out of it. I don't, you know. Yep. You know, if they found a way to make money on my email, more power to them, I guess, you know. <laughs> so another. I haven't, I haven't found any way to make money on my email. So. Of course, uh, one that a lot of people use is uh, Outlook, Microsoft Outlook, uh, which is part of the Office suite. Um, I've used Outlook. I've actually used lots of different programs. I think I used Eudora back in the day and Claris oh, Emailer. Oh, boy. <laughs> I go yeah. way back. That is stuff. a flashback. <laughs> so uh, Fog City Software Emailer, I think, was the yeah. was Claris Emailer's uh, original mm-hmm. name. Uh, but anyway, uh, Mozilla has an email product called Thunderbird. It's free. It, yep. It's, if you're nostalgic for early 2000s application design <laughs> try and features, you could try out Thunderbird. It, yep. Yeah. It's very wanting on. Basically, you have to run by IMAP or POP protocol, which yeah. is as we're going back to those things of self-hosting. Um, and I don't know if they've, I'm sure they've adjusted things based on Gmail's new security policies, but Gmail's adjusted the security policies based on those legacy apps, as they call them. And so it becomes a little more cumbersome to set up. Yeah. 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 And Outlook, it they've really like doubled down on, you know, putting in the new features. So it for sure is reading your email because it'll, it, using the Viva Insights and stuff that's native in Outlook, it'll even say like, you know, here's, we went through your email and here's things that you committed to do to other people, you know, to look at where you said, like, <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. And he'll say, like, did you respond to these people or, you <laughs> know, <laughs> here's are the auto replies and email, which, which in a work email, like I've never had that before. So like I could just click a button and say, sounds good or something. And you know what, when it's a service that I'm paying top dollar for, yeah. so like all my, all my Outlook stuff is through an exchange account, right? Through yeah. Microsoft Exchange. So I know that I've signed a contract with them that the privacy policy is set in such that they're legally binded to not be selling my Mm -hmm. information and all of that. Um, And so I know that. And so I've actually found that Viva Mm -hmm. feature to be really useful. Yeah. So I want to I want to get to a few more. We've talked a lot about email. I want to get to a few more of uh, communications sections and uh, areas. Um, and the next one is a big one. It's messaging services. And, you know, this is goes everything from, you know, text messages to, um, you know, uh, group chat programs. And so uh, built in, you'll have like iMessage in, on your iOS or Mac devices or Google messages. Uh, but it also includes things like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp, which is also owned by Facebook um, or uh, things like encrypted uh, messaging systems like Telegram and Signal and uh, and then some others like that, uh, which we can get to. But uh, for me, I, I like to use iMessage where most of the people I communicate with are 
on iPhones or Macs. Uh, that that works really well. The, the, the features that are there work, work really well when everyone is a, also a blue bubble, as they say. Um, my sister is the lone holdout in my family who's an Android user. I don't like we have worked on her for years and years and she will not. She's a Mac user, but she has an Android phone. I don't know. Anyway, she's set in her ways. So finally, I suggested and that became a problem because uh, when you're doing these, you know, Android and, and iPhone, um, when you're sharing photos or videos, they don't come across well. And they often come across like tiny, shrunk down, hard to see, mm-hmm. you know, and all that sort of stuff. So um, my both my parents passed in the past year. And while all that was going on, we was a lot of communication between me and my siblings. And so I suggested that we all set up a WhatsApp group. And that's one of the things that WhatsApp offers, among others, is that you can set up private groups. It's like a group chat. And um, we went through that and um, and set that up and it worked pretty well. Everyone was able to to get over there and use WhatsApp. It's it doesn't look great. I mean, let, let's face it. WhatsApp is pretty ugly, <laughs> um, but it it works. And and so it's you know for the basic things that we're, we're using it for. It works. OK, um, how about you guys? What is it when you need to do messaging? What do you use? And what are you looking for there? I don't use any meta products. So messaging for me is pretty much just SMS, you know, phone messaging. I am an Android user and I use an app called uh, Textra, T-E-X-T-R-A. Um, and what I like about it is it's, you know, no month, monthly fee or anything. It's just using SMS messages. But the amount of customization you have per conversation, you know, per group or per person that you're texting with um, is is really impressive and it's just super easy to you know makes it it's there's there's you know features in there that make it easy to to text and stuff so i really like that um i think i tried what was that telegram i think i tried that once but Mm -hmm. i found myself becoming radicalized so i had to uh (laughs) i had to (laughs) delete it no it's it's i I don't know it's uh, i mean you know i use i use textra if you know um but I don't use really any other messaging app. Like, like I said, people who know how to get a hold of me can get a hold of me. Um, at work, we use WebEx Teams. Um, it's not great, um, but it gets the job done. But again, it creates that expectation that as soon as you're messaged by somebody, they can see if you saw their message. Mm. And then they wonder, like, why aren't you responding? And it really, you know can be very disruptive to focus as, you know, if you're focusing on a task, you know, you have to put yourself in do not disturb. And then people wonder why you're in do not disturb. You know, there's, there's cultural things around, you know, the use of messaging that can be very effective, but at the same time, I mean, it creates the expectation that you're available, you know, immediately Mm -hmm. um, when, when that can be, you know, uh, disruptive. Yeah. You mentioned telegram, like telegram and signal are both, kind of there's like secure messaging is the promise and they're kind of they're very similar products and i've got an article from tom's guide that compares them with the differences between signal and telegram uh you know for encrypted messaging apps uh, you know independent of google and apple and that sort of thing so and um it looks like based on their comparison that signal is clearly the more secure the the better uh, you know uh, uh 
options for if you want to really want to be encrypted in private. Um, but uh, the the thing with with Signal Telegram is, and you know WhatsApp for that matter, or Messenger, the person you're communicating with has to be a user of that service as opposed to just have a telephone number with SMS, which you know the the that's the the benefit of texting and SMS. Father, what do you use? Um, iMessage is my primary way of communication. Most most people I communicate with are blue bubbles. Um, but I got we we got I have a few um green bubble holdouts. <laughs> um funny funny side note on that is that that actually is an element of bullying in school right now is mm-hmm. um blue bubbles versus um green bubbles. So Right. The blue is the desirable if yeah. If kids can find something to be cruel to each other about, they're going to be cruel to each other. <laughs> right. Um, it's it's the, a fact of life. It's the nature of them. I still remember the late 80s Sega versus Nintendo schoolyard uh, brawls that would. <laughs> <laughs> and and then they would yeah. throw pogs at each other. <laughs> I remember the wars. <laughs> yeah. um, not by want, but by obligation i use facebook messenger quite a bit because i have um parishioners who try to contact me through facebook messenger they should use actual forms of communication but <laughs> i i mean i use facebook messenger well i receive a lot of messages via facebook messenger i don't use it w- willingly but i this i am connected to a lot of people who are on Facebook a lot. And so I get a lot, and you know, I also have Facebook accounts for the use for, you know, SQPN. So um, I'm on there. And so people message me there. So I, I don't willingly use it. I don't like it. I guess there's a lot of spam. It's very icky. Um, same thing with Instagram message. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I try to avoid it when I can. Yeah. And I've, I have heard that um, speaking of encryption, uh, Elon Musk has indicated that, you know, he plans to take Twitter uh, messaging encrypted end to end at some point in the future. So mm. some point in the future, if you want to send me an encrypted message, you can DM me on Twitter. I won't read it. I won't reply, but you can send it. <laughs> no one will ever read it. <laughs> yeah. You won't read it. Elon won't read it. <laughs> yeah. You'll probably get a Dogecoin emoji when you send it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I do agree that, you know, it's a luxury to, to, you know, be able to cut yourself off from as many forms of, of communication as as you possibly can. Yeah. Um. You know, so I, I respect that not that not everybody has, you know, that luxury uh, to do that, Um. you know, in their personal life or, or whatever. So, um. you know, but there is, you know, value in quiet as well. Yes, that's true. You know, there is my favorite form of communication, um, hands down the most entertaining and the greatest happens to be discord in the sqpn discord well that, that's yes that's very yeah. true that is true it's <laughs> in, in fact yeah that uh, you know since you're mentioning it we'll give a little pitch right now is the uh, starquest discord community at sqpn.com slash discord is uh is a great area a communication platform a place for people to i see it in the in the news when they want to talk about it like that Air, that uh, airman who got arrested for dropping top secret stuff. It's a gaming platform. I, I mean, Discord at some point in the past was a gaming platform. It is well beyond a gaming yeah. platform now. It is it is another social network. 
the the news stories um on Discord with during that were just Oh yeah. It was like yeah. watching Congress try to um pass laws regarding the internet. It was well, yeah, and since this is a local story for me, I mean, this guy's from the Mass, you know, from Massachusetts, from the Boston area. Our local media is still covering it and digging into Discord, and it's like they were talking about, you know, violent first-person shooters and talking about setting up assassination vans and sniping people. And I'm like, it's gamers. It's they're they're a bunch of like you know keyboard jockeys. I mean, it's not that. Yeah, but you know, whatever. But our, our Discord is a wonderful place. Yeah. Um we it's a charitable. We have very strict rules about the things you can talk about, you can't talk about. We want to keep a lot of the baloney out. We don't allow top secret documents in the Discord. If you want to send and, any to Jimmy about do- the new season of Doctor Who. Yes, or you want to send Jimmy some yeah. UFO documents from Area 51. You can post those there. Um uh, we do reserve those. If you're going to give spoilers, though, those have to be in we have, the spoiler thread. Yeah, we have spoiler channels. We have channels devoted to all our shows. We have some general uh, channels. We have a great Secrets of Tech channel. Lots is very active. Lots of great conversations about things that are even tangentially tech technology related, which is still great. Um, so, yeah, definitely check it out. We have a lot of fun there. It's a, it's a great community that doesn't have a lot of the nonsense that you find elsewhere in social media. All right, let's move on quickly to video calling. That's another way we communicate. Uh, video calling becomes very important during, uh, you know, 2020 and zoom was the big one. I didn't even write zoom down here. That's kind of funny that I didn't even put it on our <laughs> list, but I just thought of it. And zoom was a thing that my family continues to insist when like my siblings, when we need to have like a family meeting, they continue to insist on using zoom. I hate it. Frankly, I find Zoom is just, I don't know, there's something about the way Zoom works that I just dislike. And it might be that when before 2020, when I installed Zoom, it had this thing in, on uh, the Mac where it was would reinstall itself if you deleted it. They installed a hidden installer. Um, that was a big no, no to me. Now, after 2020, when it became, you know, de rigueur and necessary and for everything, I I did install it. I made, I, I put some walls around it, shall we say. Um, but I prefer not to use zoom. Uh, I like to use FaceTime again as a, as a iPhone user and Mac user. I'll, if we're doing video chats and my kids all the time are FaceTiming with their, their, my, my wife's parents, my, uh, my, sister-in-law, their aunt, you know, they, they're always, in fact, they'll spend, you know, an hour in the morning just on FaceTime with their aunt, you know, just chatting with her and hanging out. So uh, FaceTime is great. Um, and then there are other ones, this Microsoft and Google. What do you guys, what do you guys use for voice calling, video calling? Um, so inside our um, parish, all my stuff, um, including our entire telephone system, runs through Microsoft Teams. So um, that makes me a full-fledged user of Microsoft Teams. Um, if someone's calling me at the parish, um, we do not have physical phones at the parish. We have our cell phones and our computers that are ringing the phone, which is nice for me. But then also I'll use it for video calling, um, especially I have um, six different campuses um, and employees on those campuses. So we do do a lot of video calling. Benefit of Teams is I'm also able to take remote control of their screen with request, which um, 
is really nice sometimes. Yeah. And so the, there's the benefit of that, that I, I don't think I can get that with Zoom. But Teams, because it's a Microsoft product, allows me to do that. I do use Zoom still for marriage prep, mainly not because I like it, but because people know how to use it. It's table stakes now. It's just the thing yeah. everybody knows. They know how to use it, and so I don't have to teach them to use anything. Um, There's the added benefit of using a free account and only having to have to meet for 45 minutes and having a buyout at 45 minutes. Yep, that's a feature, not a bug to me, that's for sure. (laughs) It's a great feature. (laughs) Oh, look, our time's up, and uh, we have to get We're going to lose you in a minute. Oh, bye. (laughs) Victor, how about you? What is it you use for video? Yeah, at work, we use uh, WebEx, which, you know, old reliable webex um they've added some new features to it they've added an ai assistant over the years that you can tell it to you know record that as an action item and whatever was just last said because now it can actually do like closed captioning and have a running transcript going although Mm. um it still i think creeps people out but (laughs) on on the android phone it's you know whatever google has installed that that day uh, if it's google duo which has been replaced now by google meet and uh, we used that when our oldest went off to college and wanted to have some, you know, like co-op gaming sessions with, with us and his younger brothers. We would put that on because you could look like an astronaut or a penguin with these like <laughs> goofy things. And that was that was always a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, yeah. So I don't I don't know if, if somebody wanted to FaceTime me how I mm-hmm. how I would do it. But yeah, so don't send me any FaceTime requests either. (laughs) I mean, Apple has kept promising that they're going to do group FaceTime and FaceTime for Windows and Android. And it just, it, it's never panned out. I don't know if they've ever even come up with the app or, uh, but they keep promising it. They're promising it to hold off the European union is what they're doing. (laughs) That's the only reason they're promising anything. They eventually have to come up with something or they're going to get called on it. So then, you know, talking about uh, phone calls and obviously you can use your, your cell phone for uh, as a phone surprise uh but <laughs> you can also do voice over ip which is a, a thing that uh, we've had for for many years um i used to use vonage when i first started my own yeah. business mm-hmm. um if you remember that uh, i i haven't had a landline in 15 plus years i've i've had voip in this uh but what i've got now besides my my cell phone is Google Voice. I've I've got a Google Voice number. That's our basically our house number. That's the number I give out, um, and it works fine. It takes text messages. It takes voicemail messages. It is there's an app on my phone that I can use to access it. And if I want to make an outgoing call on that number, I just do it in the app, and then it rings my cell phone number, and then connects the outgoing call. And so the person on the other end doesn't know where I'm calling from. You know, doesn't have my my phone number. So that's always good. Um, second on Google Voice, um, for our listeners who are either priest or parish employees, Google Voice is a very good option for emergency lines um, because you don't have to give out your um, priest cell phone numbers, which is fantastic. And I can ring three phones at the same time. Right, it'll right. ring so, through, yeah. Yep, so the pastor and I, if there's an emergency call, both of our phones ring together with that. Just really nicely that you can set that up and it's a free service. Yes. Victor? I'll have to give that a try. I, I, well, I, I was going to say I don't use VoIP, but the reality is now that probably if you use a, a cell phone to make or receive phone calls, it's 
voice over IP at yeah. this point. Yeah. Yeah. You're either using their, their, you know, mobile network and the, and the calls are, you know, you know, digital. that way or yeah. your, or your own Wi-Fi network. So, yeah. So I guess we're all using uh, VoIP now. Vonage wins. <laughs> they sort of, it's a moral victory. Yeah. 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 <laughs> In the same way that Betamax won, Vonage won. <laughs> yes. So, Father, you had something else you wanted to bring up in this category as well, right? Um, I use the A-Lady sometimes. As I mentioned on an earlier, I think it was a Christmas gift thing, I have fully um, smart-homed my parents' house. And my dad, sometimes with limited mobility, if I call him on the house phone, not only is he not going to answer sometimes if my mother's not home, I'm risking putting him at risk as well. Mm. And so I have on occasion used um, A-Lady. So calling from my Amazon Echo to his works very well. Cool. Yeah. You can drop in. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do have, you know, elderly relatives and they're okay with it, you know, enabling drop in is a good way to just, you know, check in on them and stuff. Mm -hmm. We, we do it with our kids sometimes if we're too lazy to go upstairs or go to the bottom of the stairs and yell up the stairs. Yes. Yes. So that's, so that's the VoIP and uh, Victor, you had one that's an interesting to me, uh, this other category. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that, you know, uh, you know, if, if you're contemplating a grid down situation and you're working on your preps and everything, this is something you might hear about. I haven't uh, explored this too much, but really it's not relying on uh, you know, an external or third-party network to communicate with people. Um, you can create a local mesh network, uh, either via Bluetooth or local Wi-Fi connections. And there are various apps. We'll put a we'll put a link in the in the show notes. I'm not familiar with any of them because I don't have any friends nearby to to try it out with. But um, there are even uh, you know companies that will make like little Bluetooth repeaters that if you're camping, you can set these up. And you don't have any cell phone service, you can set these up around your campsite. So as people in your group are moving around, you can text with them using, you know, local Bluetooth or or Wi-Fi networks um, as well. So maybe that's the ultimate insecurity because your your um, your communications are just going directly from your device to the other device, assuming, you know, once you reconnect to Wi-Fi, there's no sharing of that information back up to a central server. But Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody has an experience with these, uh, if I'm going camping, the last thing I want to be doing is texting you. <laughs> well, it, no, it's it's the other people in your in your group. I don't know why why that would be important, but um, well, you know, when you, you camping, have a recon patrol, yeah. yeah, camping with your wife and she's up yeah. at the at the the store getting milk, yeah. and you say get some more yeah. butter. I mean, that's the yeah. that's the use case. All right, so that's uh, communication apps, communications. If folks have others that they're interested in, now, we didn't even mention Slack, and we use Slack every day oh, at SQPN. Yes. You know, that's that's one I just thought of that we, we didn't bring up. I mean, it's sort of in the background for me, but that's another great one. If there are others folks have uh, recommendations of or have questions about, be happy to take them, and uh, we'll we'll discuss them in a future episode. AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> yeah. What was it, yeah. ICQ? Or- <laughs> news groups. ICQ. Yeah. Good Lord, no, not news groups. All right, yeah. let's move on. I want to uh, thank some patrons. Take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Claire P., John H., Travis F., Josip J., and Foster A. Their generous tax-deductible donations at sqpn.com slash give. Make it possible for us to continue 
The Secrets of Technology, and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right, I want to run quickly through some headlines here, the, some interesting things that have come up in the news. Uh, the first one is a big nostalgia pick one for me. This uh, Netflix DVDs are no more. That's right. Uh, the if If you're under the age of 25, maybe, you may not remember... But Netflix started as a company that mailed out DVDs. Then you could hold on to them as long as you wanted and play them as much as you wanted. And then when you were done, you'd send it back and they'd send you another one. Uh, And these little red envelopes, these mailers. um, And that's done. Like that was actually still going on (laughs) until, uh, let's see, they're shipping the final discs on September 29th, 2023. This was a surprising part of the story to me was that it still existed. Yes. Well, I, yeah, my in-laws, I think were still using it, you know, up through a few years ago, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was still, yeah. I remember, I, I remember being in college and, um, before seminary college and you'd, um, be walking through the student union and the number of people dropping in the mm-hmm. college mailbox, dropping the red envelopes was just right. And extreme. there was probably a warehouse nearby. And the way it worked is yeah. they had these warehouses all over where they would press their own discs. They would just burn the discs uh, locally and ship them from there. And it, I mean, it was an amazing operation. And you can imagine how expensive it was. And this is before streaming we had high speed internet and before we had, you know, streaming services like we have today. And so this was a great way of getting a hold of movies without having to go down a blockbuster or whatever and, and rent a box and they'd be out this way. I had a list. I had an awesome oh, list. Oh yeah. You had a wait list. Yeah. Yeah. I had this awesome list on, on, on uh, Netflix and it had tons of all of these movies that I still haven't seen. And, you know, I, You'd get three discs in the mail. You'd watch it, throw it, throw it in the mail. The next Whoa, one would come in a few days. Yeah, the three disc, uh, the three disc at once program. I was yeah. working my way through my list. Let me tell you, college, yeah. college student just had the one disc program. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and you'd have to time it too. You'd be like, okay, I want to watch this movie next Friday. I want to watch it on movie night, so I have to send this movie back by Monday. So they get it on yes. you know Wednesday and send the next one hopefully Thursday, and I get it. For, you know, you would know how long, how many days it would take for the disc to go back in well, the mail and come back to you. And and my local yeah. distribution center was the next town over, so I got stuff turned around like nothing. Oh, nice, yeah. Uh, in fact, I think at one point I decided I didn't need the three and I, did, I went down to one uh, because it just turned around so quick but you know you didn't have late fees you just you held on to it as long as you wanted although there were a few times when you'd lose a disc and you know you'd end up having to pay <laughs> for it or or you'd get the disc and the back of it looked like you know an etch-a-sketch someone had just like scratched it i don't know what they were doing to these discs and you'd have yeah. well they came out we're not watching you know over the hedge tonight kids because we're gonna send it back to- <laughs> yeah or come was- broken or whatever yeah, yeah. And this was the beginning of the failure of Blockbuster to respond. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And this time, if Blockbuster would have done a subscription service at the Blockbuster, they would have won this battle. They tried. They were late they to did, the game. Yeah. But they, yeah, yeah, they were too late. They were too late. There I was wonder... also game. There was also, I think, Gamefly. Oh, yep. yeah. That you can mail that. the video games back and forth. Yep. I wonder what would happen is if, if you were on this service and you just got a bunch of movies out like right before September 29th. Do you have to return them? 
Yes. Would <laughs> you just get to keep them for free? They'll charge. Yeah, they'll probably charge you for them. But it would be cool to have like this is the last DVD the Netflix <laughs> mailed out from this distribution center, kids. Right. And yeah. I think when they. Yeah, and and then when they did start streaming, I was one of their very first like streaming customers, and all they had were like a couple animated Bible stories and some documentaries, and we would oh, yeah. gather around the laptop and be like, "This movie is playing," you know. Uh, and this is before even YouTube. We'd be like, "This movie is playing," and it found on a server that is far away, and look at the quality. <laughs> it's well, that was the downside of the streaming yeah. was. It took forever. There was a lot of buffering. You you didn't have any way to connect it to your TV. Like not like we have today, smart yeah. TVs and and smart boxes. Um, and so it was. You watched it on your laptop. Whereas you know a DVD player, you get that high quality big TV. And that was the switch. That was the switch. And they were limited to basically public domain content at the time. Like there were no streaming like agreements right written up at the time. So yeah, it was like ninety nine cents a month extra for the. To get the streaming, I think, right. or something. Yeah. Right. And then they were going to split the services at one point, uh, and there was a big outcry. Like, you had to, like, there were two different things you were paying for, and there was a big outcry over that, and they decided to to to, to, to uh, not do that. Um, but, you know, it was the time when Netflix was all about not original content, but other people's content. They were a, they were a video store. Um, and when they switched to streaming, they also eventually realized, if we're going to make any money, we need to make our own content. And that was, you know, and and uh, the the content owners were pulling those agreements back and so that yep. they could control it because they saw where the money was. So, well, we'll pour one out for Netflix DVDs and, uh, you know, the future is here. So let's talk about our next headline. This one is from Amazon. Amazon has started doing a new thing where they're starting to flag frequently returned products. So it just baffles me a little bit, but products on their site that maybe you shouldn't buy because they're, they get returned a lot because maybe they're poor quality, their shovelware, their junk, their mishap label, whatever it is. I'm thinking maybe you shouldn't sell it <laughs> if it's. Yeah. But if you want like a broken turntable or something, where are you going to go? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes. no, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I think this is a great idea. I mean, because the, the you know, the product ratings were supposed to do this for us, but there's so much, you know, so much fake you know, skullduggery and stuff that goes on behind that or like change your review and I will give you a free product. Mm-hmm. And not that I've ever done that. Um, but, you know, it's it's yeah. So this is if they are actually doing this based on data, hard data. I think this is a this is a great idea because it's something I would want to know, you know, before I buy something. They're doing the eat. They're doing the data form of cleaning up their store. Yeah. Right. Because the problem with Amazon over the last few years is that you went from a store that you knew you were getting a quality product to now you have to decipher which ones are the cheap product that I could buy on the Timu app, right? Or, and I'm paying triple the price for it. Or what is the actual good product? Which is the back alley knockoff uh, and which is the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they look, they often look the same and and maybe they even have deceptive imagery on on there. And the problem with for Amazon is they're not curating the content really. Like there's so many products on there that third parties loading it stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank goodness. Right. Because that would be even perhaps even worse. So 
Uh, so you'll see this label if if there's a, you know this uh, frequently returned item. Check the product details and customer reviews to learn more about this item. Um, so if I see that on a product, it's pretty it's pretty much guaranteed I'm not going to buy that. Like I just I will move on. Hold on, if they know that I need to check the product reviews in yeah. the product description, why aren't you Amazon checking? the product review and description. Well, that's what I said. Yeah. Why did they take it down? (laughs) Well, I think you expect, you expect like a Costco or something to be curating, you know, their buyers are actually like meticulously researching and stuff, but you don't really, I mean, Walmart, maybe a little bit more, but once you get away from, I mean, Amazon, you know, it's a marketplace now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a marketplace. Yeah. So, uh, so keep an eye out for that folks. You'll, you'll another way to perhaps keep yourself from getting a bunch of, really bad junk this one shipped over from overseas then finally this is interesting i don't know a lot about this one so you guys can tell me if this is a big deal microsoft announced they're planning a major platform upgrade for windows 12 to modernize the os with ai faster updates and better security which you know kind of it's it's the apple version it's you know apple would say uh it's thinner and lighter than ever yeah so that's kind of the yeah the, the, so um my my question is did we really just say ai and better security <laughs> in the same sentence right right well and in fact it's you know the the ai misnomer it's just machine learning algorithms right so yeah. um so is this a, a big deal i mean what do you think is it just i is is any Windows update a big a big deal? I mean, if it, <laughs> if it doesn't slow down my she, my machine, I'll I'll consider it, you know. But like what I have now with Windows ten works perfectly well, you know. I used Windows seven up until Windows ten came out, so I guess if I'm sticking on the every other version of Windows upgrade, mm. I would I'd be due to upgrade. But you know, now the question is hardware support. Yeah, are they going to? I mean, I'm still bitter about this. Are they going to put a completely arbitrary list of hardware that's going to be supported? Yeah, I can't upgrade to Windows 11 because my CPU, it's a top of the line CPU, but it has the wrong number in it, you know? Yep. Completely arbitrary. You know, one of the things that they they talk about in this article that we'll link to is how just Windows is carrying along this legacy and they keep trying to update and modernize and get rid of the junk, you know, that's holding its back, holding it back. And they just can't seem to do that. It, it, it just breaks too much. Um, and they've tried to do this modernization before with a, a platform called core OS. Uh, now they're doing core PC or was it the other, other way around? I forget, but you know, all these nicknames. Um, so the question is, is will, you know, will this be any different? Will in a year and a half, are we going to hear, you know, that Microsoft has canceled this one now and just, just doing whatever. Maybe just maybe the executable file system is the problem. (laughs) Just maybe. (laughs) All right. So those are our headlines this week and uh, moving on to our picks of the week and father, I'll let you go first. Since uh, you, you uh, mentioned before we started that this one might apply to my new steam deck. I think uh, I'm just going to put the um, cliffhanger here that I think this might win the best pick of the week. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I think the three of us might agree on that. So this is called Epilogue Operator. And what it is, is it's a way that you can plug your Game Boy cartridges into your computer and play them. And so this is a USB-C device 
um, that I'm able to plug into my computer. I put the cartridge in. It loads the cartridge onto my computer screen. I can either play with the keyboard or I can use any gamepad. I can load it onto a ROM file and save it to play in other emulators, including my Steam Deck. And I can also, if you want to, um, let's say that I'm just too lazy to catch them all in Pokemon, I could find a game save online and inject it into my cartridge. And so complete the game in that way. That might be cheating a little bit, but... (laughs) But just a great product. I ordered this. I've had it for three weeks now. I have it set up on my Steam Deck, actually, that I can play cartridges straight onto my Steam Deck when it's hooked up to my TV. So, yeah, it's great. (laughs) So it's two pieces. It's hardware and software. So there's a software that runs on the computer that is the emulator software, basically. Yep. And then the hardware is what lets is what connects to the, the Game Boy cartridge. And you need an actual Game Boy cartridge to do this. Yep. Software runs on Mac, Windows, and Linux. Okay. Yeah. So if you're looking for a slightly more legal alternative to emulation, you know, playing this, playing having owning the actual physical cartridge, I think gets around some of that. Yeah. And and it, you one thing that intrigues me about this and, you know, our 10 year old is completely into Game Boy and Super Nintendo at the moment and stuff. So this will be a lot of fun uh, for him, but is the ability to um, and I guess I could do this with a USB cable or something, too, with given the way these cartridges. But there are you know, cartridges that you can load Game Boy ROMs to and then yep. play on the original hardware. And um, a, a, about a year and a half ago, I started working on a Stargate Game Boy game um, using GB Studio on the PC, which is anybody who is interested in dipping their toes into game development, I can recommend uh, GB Studio. You know, you're limited to what would be playable on a Game Boy or Game Boy Color, but limiting yourself to that just makes the whole development experience you know, a lot smoother. And there's tie-ins with GB Studio to the Epilogue software. So they have the tie-in with that, that those work together. I found a good um, provider on, out of all places, Etsy, to buy those cartridges. So you can look there. Um, If you want to do a cheap Chinese way to do it, you could order a um, cheap game off of eBay and flush the cartridge but oh really oh okay cool <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll check out the links there because uh i think it would be thrilling to play my uh my uh my stargate game i have a playable build online at uh my last name lambs.itch.io for free so you can play it in the browser or if you have something like this uh an emulator you can download the game boy rom and, and play it that way but I'll have to put it on a Game Boy. I have one Game Boy Advance cartridge, so I'll have yeah, to. Yeah, it's a, it's a Game Boy, regular black and white Game Boy game. And um, yeah, this might be the the motivation I need to finally finish that that game. And uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discover what the heart of Hathor is. That's the big MacGuffin <laughs> in the game. Nice, nice. Excellent. Good pick, Father. That's, uh, that's very interesting. And uh, Victor, what's your pick this week? Yeah, so I've been wanting to get back into music production now for a while. Um, but, you know, with the responsibilities of, you know, work and family, sitting in front of a, you know, computer when I'm not working and sitting in front of a computer, it's harder to justify that. So I've looked for more, you know, tact- tactile ways to to make music, things that I can do kind of on the go. 
And Korg, um, who is a legendary synthesizer maker, they've been making, you know, musical instruments before there were synthesizers, actually, um, has for years now had this line of products called the Volca, V-O-L-C-A. Um, and they are like about the size of a, you know, paperback book, but they're completely self-contained musical instruments. Um, all of them are are under $200, but their sampler, or it's not a sampler, it's a sample playback device, but the Korg Volca sample Two recently had a kind of across the board price, uh, price drop, um, which made it more attractive. And so picked one of those up and it's basically a self-contained groove box. Um, you can load samples to it from your computer. You can play it with a MIDI device, although it has a completely onboard sequencer. You can, you know, mangle the sounds. You can make basically uh, like whole beats on this little device. Um, for just around a hundred dollars, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's battery powered, so and it, you know has a built-in speaker. That's really nothing to write home about. But you can hook your headphones up, hook it up to speakers. It's just a lot of fun. Um, but if you're not sure you want to commit to that, um, there are you know apps that do a lot of the same things on iOS and Android. And one that I really like is a Koala Sampler, um, and it, it's it's a lot of fun as well. I think there's you know there's a free version to try, and then it's either like five dollars or something to uh, around there to unlock the full version but but yeah and so the only danger with the volca thing now is that i want to uh, pick up some of the other ones they make an fm synthesizer um various you know drum synthesizers and modular synths and stuff so it's it's a lot of fun and it's just you know it's a it's a toy but it's very you know full featured and, and sounds pretty cool and you can do a lot of neat things with it awesome cool so I am not at all musical, so uh, yeah. some of that goes over my head, but I, I appreciate the, uh, the, yeah. the, the, the coolness of it. Uh, so my pick this week is something for I, I got from my desk because I needed an, a good iPad stand for my iPad Pro, and I wanted it to be um, that it could go low or could go high. And those that, that was a big like I wanted adjustable and because I like having my iPad just below my monitor, right in front of me. Now, you kind of use it as a dashboard. I set up a bunch of widgets that are visible throughout the day, and they have all kinds of information, to-do lists, uh, the weather, stuff like that. Um, and I found this great uh, USB-C hub. So it connects via USB-C, which is what uh, all of the iPad Pros and some of the regular iPads use now um, instead of Lightning. And that's probably where everything for Apple is going away from Lightning to USB-C. And, but it's a hub as well. And one of the things it does is it, it has um, a two USB-A data ports and a 4K HDMI connector. So I've got hmm. this connected to my, I, you can connect to a, a big monitor if it has an HDMI connection. I've got it connected to my TV, which is like right next to me, my big 37-inch TV, which is over here. And I can throw whatever's on the iPad up on the TV and use it for, I can show videos or, you know, put my, my dashboard up there on the giant TV. I'm not sure why I would want to do that, but um, it's it's really great. It's 100 bucks, so it's not not cheap, uh, but not super expensive. I've seen stuff like this that's a lot more. Uh, it's from Anchor, which is a brand I trust. It's nice and weighted, so it's not going anywhere. Yeah. One of the things I hate about stands is when you like you, you're trying to write on them with the the screen or tap on them, and they like bounce around or move. No, it's got a nice, good weight to it. Uh, it's got an SD card slot. It's got um, uh, a couple other slots. I forget what the, all the all the other slots are. It's got a lot of different. 
uh, IO on it. So it's, it's really great for that. And so um, you can get headphone jack and, you know, it's got a USB C charging port on the front and all kinds of things. So, or. Yeah. That actually make a really, you know, not not to go back to music, but that would actually make it a really make an iPad, like a really appealing music production station because mm -hmm. One of the main things is how do you connect it to your audio interface? How do you connect it to your MIDI keyboards and stuff? Oh, and yeah. this offers more than enough. Even it has an audio jack, you know, out, out as well for headphones. Yep. So, yeah, this that, is this is outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. How compatible is the iPad Pro with the devices that you would use on your Mac? So, for example, could you put an audio input interface onto your iPad Pro? Uh, You'd have to have an app that is looking for it. Okay. But the IO is pretty good. I mean, you could hook up um you can hook up hard drives and cameras directly to the USB-C port um and it will it will see them yeah. in there's certain audio devices. So I I wouldn't be surprised if you couldn't connect that too. I was able to do it with my iPad 3. You know, this is the first one that had the Retina display back in 2011. I was able to hook up most of my USB audio interfaces to that with wow. a, yeah. an adapter cable. And that was, like I said, 12, 13 years ago. So, yeah, yeah. So um, it's a nice it's a nice stand. I've I've had lots of different stands, cheap ones, expensive ones. Um, and like I've seen ones that are about this price that don't have any of the I.O. It's just a stand. So uh, this was this was a nice, nice product. So I, I recommend this one. All right, so those are our picks of the week, and that's it from us this time. We'd love to hear what you thought of anything we talked about today. You can let us know by commenting at sqpn.com slash technology or our uh, StarQuest dis um, Facebook page. I'll get to that in the other one in a second. Facebook.com slash Media. Send an email to technology at sqpn.com or, like I said, visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. We'll have links from our discussion and our picks of the week in our show notes at starquest.fm slash TEC210. Tech210. Follow Secrets of Tech in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on our YouTube channel where you should hit the bell to get notifications. And that's at youtube.com slash StarQuestMedia. Until next time, Victor Lambs, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Dom. Father Joseph Soon, thank you as well. Thank you. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs> <laughs>